Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Sunday, November 14th, 2021. I am Dan Rubin. This is Almost Live, our in-season Sunday morning post-game podcast. As always, we are joined by the people's champ, Matt Bax. And Del Bax, how goes it? Well, the terrifying specter of the Purdue football team hovered over Ohio Stadium yesterday, and Ohio State managed to scare them off Ghostbusters style with a dominant win, so I feel pretty good on this Sunday morning. We could talk about the entire game, although I have it written down here. With seven minutes and 22 seconds left in the second quarter, Garrett Wilson scored on a 51-yard touchdown to make it 42-7, to and the game was essentially over. This is the offense we all wanted to see, Bax. Yeah, Garrett Wilson had an incredible game, too. I mean, four touchdowns says it's all, all to himself, but it tells you how good this offense is that one week Jackson, Smith, and Jigba is the guy who's out there putting up all the scores and having 200 yards receiving. And then the next week, Garrett Wilson's out there making circus catches and scoring four touchdowns. And you've had weeks, obviously, where Chris Olave is like the old faithful of the three of them, who you know is just going to be very good every week. I think at one point I looked at it and noticed you had 13 carries for 174 yards in the second quarter. It tells you exactly what you just said. This is the offense we have been waiting to see. And it's, it's tell you what, that's a good Purdue team that had no prayer in the first half. Ohio State came out and was like, we're the big boys here. Go back to the back of the line. You know, they, they came out and Ohio State was essentially like, we're eating, we're eating New York strip steak tonight. You're eating Salisbury steak at the Golden Corral. Get out of our way. Unfortunately, my son might go to the Golden Corral because I've never seen anybody eat more. But I digress. It's hard to even, like I said earlier, I think it's a little bit hard to put the game into context just because at 42 to 7, the game was over. I mean, you're essentially in damage control. You could play prevent defense from there on out. Why do you think they were so dominant? What what was it? Was the offensive line better? Was the running game better? Nebraska and Penn State, they struggled. Do you put the difference there? How do you describe the dominance? First of all, Purdue is not good against the run, and we stuck with it. And Ohio State was ripping runs left and right. When, when, Like I said, when you're averaging 15 yards a carry for a half, you're going to win a lot of football games. And I think the offensive line heard a lot of the criticism that we had levied uh, among us and everybody else against them in the last two weeks, right? The offensive line hadn't been great against Penn State. It wasn't great against Nebraska. But when we got out there on the field yesterday, there is no question that they blocked everybody they saw for a half. And by the time that they were done blocking everybody that they saw, it was 45-17 at halftime. So I think a lot of credit goes to the offensive line for the way that they played yesterday. And on top of that, I just I think Ohio State came out well aware of what happened with Purdue a few years ago at Purdue. They knew Purdue was good enough to beat top teams. 
and they clearly resolved to themselves that they weren't going to let this team beat them. And when this Ohio State team plays like they did yesterday, good luck. There's not many teams that can play with them. And I think I just think a big part of that yesterday was that the O-line played at a level we hadn't really seen in a little while. And, like, we need to also remember, you know, they scored 50 points, but this wasn't a great defense they went against. The reason Purdue was scary was because they were able to score on everyone and managed to turn the ball over against a couple top teams. End of the day, Ohio State's not Iowa, and Ohio State is not Michigan State. Ohio State is a far better football team. And this is a dominant performance for the Buckeyes. If you just picked up the box score, you would think that the Purdue quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, had a tremendous game. I have a hard time putting it in context, like I said before, because of the way the score was. How do you feel about the way the defense performed? They were obviously good enough to get it to 42-7. to Yeah, it feels like – and here's the thing. It's, it's normal human instinct when you're up by that much to kind of relax. And I think from a coaching perspective, you didn't want to give up close scores – or quick scores, I mean. So – at the end of the day, the defense did their job. But I also think the defense essentially called off some of the dogs for a little while. Like, this wasn't like an attempt to – I'm not saying that they let them score, but at the flip side of it, it was make sure Purdue has to work for their points, You know, get this game over with. It's well in hand. We all know the outcome. Purdue never really got within 20-something points of the buck. I think the closest they got was 21 points in the second half. And at that point – you know, I'm, it's hard to tell what the defense is doing because it's a natural human instinct to just keep them in front of you, right? Then yeah, make sure they don't get more than five yards on a play, right? And they had one or two drives where it was sit back and, you know, the ball went into spaces and it wasn't the best thing against the defense. But the flip side of the equation is Ohio State did what they were essentially supposed to do until the game was over. And then they just pretty much played the way that was going to get the game to the end. So, we can't look at this and go, Ohio State gave it 31 points. They were terrible. No, they weren't terrible. It's just the way that the game went. Purdue pretty much spent the rest of the game when they were down throwing the ball at all times. And Ohio State gave up a few scores because they were playing sort of keep man in front of you defense versus like, look, let's deck these guys and pin our ears back. And, you know, they, they, they played a lot of kids. They emptied the bench in the second quarter at one point. So... I think I think it's hard to read the defense's result because this was not the first team defense on the field for four quarters. It was the first team defense on the field for a quarter and a half. And then there was a lot of backups and going from there. Seven minutes left to go in the second quarter. There are some people who aren't even in their seat yet. I will say zero sacks is a little bit troubling if they threw the ball that much. There's no way around that. I'm not sure you want to have a game where a quarterback throws the ball that much and you don't get any sacks. Denzel Burke led the team in tackles. That's because Purdue went to David Bell down the stretch to get him his stats. He finished 11 for 103. He dropped a touchdown pass, and he did not affect the outcome. So that's a W for Denzel Burke, as far as I'm concerned. Some other individual standouts that you'd like to bring up before we move on to other topics. Yeah, we have to eventually talk about the fact that C.J. Stroud might be the Heisman Trophy winner this year. I don't know who else is going to win it at this point. There's no real front runner, And – if you go by sheer statistics, and if Ohio State wins their last three games here against the two Michigan teams and then hopefully in a Big Ten championship, they're, they're going to be hard-pressed not to pick C.J. because of his numbers. So he's got, a, he's got a really good shot based on what you just said. The, the fact that the Michigan and Michigan State games are going to be really impactful down the stretch I think really helps. The only thing I could see happening is if Bryce Young puts together some kind of heroic performance against Georgia, I think that would probably seal the deal for him. Yeah, and – 
here's the thing. There's five or six different guys at this point that I would say, man, they all have an equal shot. One of the front runners is the running back coming here next week. Kenneth Walker III from Michigan State engine for their offense. No doubt. So if he goes out and the Ohio State defense does work for CJ and holds him down and CJ goes off, it won't hurt to have a direct comparison that they won't face each other, really, for the press to see, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, that's going to be a storyline we're going to have to watch the next few weeks. It's obviously it's all about the team result, but on the flip side is that C.J. Stroud is, compared to where we were at the start of the year, all worried about him with all the shoulder injury that he had going on. And now we're talking about a guy who may have the best shot since Troy Smith to win the Heisman Trophy of any Ohio State player. That's certainly something because we know how rare that can be. So just to summarize, it was a truly dominant offensive performance. I think you could very much say now that that is clear. There are two units that stand above all others in college football, the Ohio State offense and the Georgia defense. Will they meet eventually? We can only hope. I'm going to take a quick break, come back and tackle everything else that ever happened. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we are back. Before we get into the Big Ten and national results, as we are wont to do on Sunday morning, we must discuss the incredibly great news that took place before the game Saturday. Sonny Styles is one of the best prospects I have seen in the state of Ohio in decades. The son of Lorenzo Styles, his brother Lorenzo Jr. from Notre Dame. He was a highly coveted prospect. He lives in the Columbus area. He verbally committed to Ohio State on Saturday before the game. I can't think of a bigger recruit to get, given the fact that Ohio State probably needs someone like him. He is the future of the bullet position at six foot four and 215 pounds of just all-American talent. What does it mean to get Sally Styles in the fold? There were people who really thought he was going to go to Notre Dame. You know, this is one of those recruits that is about as athletic as it gets in one of the bigger bodies that you'll see. I mean, this is a guy who plays point guard at six foot four and you get him out there on the field and build him up a little bit with the the Mickey Marotti program. Like you said, the future of the bullet position, this guy could be a player in a couple of years for Ohio state who is as important as anybody in the entire team. And the fact that they picked him up, from central Ohio is obviously something you would think you would do well with, but with big brother going to Notre Dame, you know, obviously it makes a difference. And I think for Ohio State, it's a really big win to have this kind of player at the top of your 2023 class, which means we've still got a year and change until he signs here. But at the end of the day, the this is this is a massive recruit. This is a big deal. This is the number one player in Ohio. And we always talk about Ohio State's recruiting being elite and they go all over the country. It all starts at home, though. Like you take five or six of the top seven or eight kids from home, Every year, right? We, like if we lose recruiting battles in Ohio, then it's when we start getting nervous because when we, when we forgot Ohio in the 90s, when the wins in the game went away. So getting a guy like Sonny Styles to come to Ohio State is not necessarily a surprise, but it's a big deal that's official and it's a really big recruiting win for Ryan Day. 
Jack Sawyer, Zach Harrison, guys from the Columbus area that are national recruits. You must get them in the fold. Just a tremendous pickup. Going to be a good Saturday regardless. And Ohio State did work as well. Let's go down the results that we always talk about. First, we will tackle the Big Ten. As other conferences go by the wayside, the Big Ten has remained strong. Ohio State defeats number 19, Purdue, 59-31. Keep in mind, that's another power win for the Buckeyes because Purdue was ranked last week by the committee. Michigan State, we will discuss them now, defeated Maryland at home 40-21. to We will discuss them now because they are coming to Columbus Saturday for a noon kickoff. Your thoughts on the Spartans? The Spartans strike me as the type of team Ohio State is well-equipped to defeat. And I say that because Ohio State has had one of the best run defenses in the country since the Oregon game. And they run entirely through Kenneth Walker, the third running the ball. So at this point, you know, if it's one of those teams that can't throw a lot, you have to feel pretty good about OSU's chances to slow down their offense. And I, I think Michigan State's a great story. I think Mel Tucker deserves a world of credit for what he's done with that team that most people expected to go four and eight, five and nine, five and seven, six and six, something like that, right? And right now they're sitting as a top 10 team. So he deserves a world of credit for what he's achieved in Michigan State this year. But this is a Sparty team that's a great story. And great stories when they run into juggernauts like OSU, uh, they have a bad outcome. So this should be a bad outcome for Michigan State because Ohio State is way more talented. You mentioned their offense. Yes, they're built around the running back. They do throw the ball down the field pretty well. If you look at average yards per pass completed, they're up there. So they're going for the big play. They're basically trying to run it and throw it over the top. I don't see it happening. I think Ohio State's going to be in really good shape. The fact that Michigan State's ranking is a tad inflated should work in Ohio State's favor. All right, the next game, I watched a good portion of this. Michigan outlast Penn State. They win 21-17. This was a very evenly played game, I thought. Both teams are somewhat offensively challenged and have good defenses. I think Michigan just kind of outlasted them. I don't think either one is a real threat to Ohio State. Am I wrong? No, I think you're right. We saw what what this team has done, and I just uh, – when I watched Michigan play Penn State, it was an eternal reminder to me that James Franklin is not an elite coach and Penn State is not an elite team because of James Franklin. Uh, that, that fake field goal they went from on the two-yard line, when they, Penn State had totally, utterly dominated the first quarter that let Michigan back in the game, both emotionally and score-wise, was about as wimpy of a play call as I've ever seen. James Franklin's team is very talented, like we saw a couple weeks ago. They are not in an elite mindset, and it's because... James Franklin is not an elite coach. If he gets that job at USC or LSU or a big pay raise or whatever, I have almost zero faith Franklin's going to win the big game against big-time teams because he never does. So, you know, the fact that Penn State and Michigan played essentially an even football game, which is about the way I would describe it, too. It felt like either one of those teams could have won that game, that they were very well matched, Mm -hmm. that they were fairly similarly talented. Mm-hmm. made me feel very good about what Ohio State's chances are in two weeks in the biggest game of the year. It's it's nice and fun and dandy that Michigan keeps winning because it'll keep Jim Harbaugh around, but I don't think Michigan is going to have a chance against OSU. I just don't. Their winning touchdown was like the slowest score ever to a tight end. 
and you know, I was watching the game, like just thinking, like, is is my internet connection bad? Like this guy looks like he's moving really slowly, and nobody could catch him because Penn State was totally out of position, and a slow Michigan tight end had like a forty-five yard touchdown to win the game. And I'm, I, it was, it didn't seem like that was very elite football. That seemed like the kind of run that somebody on a, a big time defense that had recruited at a very high level, like Ohio State or Georgia or whoever, would attract that guy down twenty five yards from the goal line. And I don't, it was just it was weird watching Michigan's winning score because it didn't feel like it was a very fast play at all. And that's the problem with Harbaugh's teams; they love to try to punch you in the mouth, and the second there's any speed involved, and there's no speed in space, they they get they get ran down. I wasn't really impressed with Michigan. It's a nice win and all that other fun stuff, but I think Ohio State's by far the better team. The question is, will Ohio State's offense be dominant against Michigan's defense? They have defensive ends rated very highly in Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo, but I still think Ohio State just got a little too much for them. Wisconsin defeats Northwestern 35-7. Rutgers defeats Indiana 38-3. Indiana's having a pretty good year. Minnesota loses to Iowa 22-27. Let's hit the national vibe. And there were some very important scores that went down. Obviously, we will start at the top with Georgia. They got a little bit of a test from Tennessee, but held on and won Georgia. The clear number one team, they went 41-17. And I'm not even sure we need to discuss that one. Alabama, really tough scheduling this time of year. New Mexico State, they went 59-3 and covered how dare you insult their comeback victory, their epic comeback victory over New Mexico State. New Mexico State came out and punched them in the mouth. They had a huge lead of three to nothing before Alabama decided to get going. Yeah, if you had bet on Alabama, I think at one point in time you were down 54 and you covered. So by that time, you were probably three sheets to the wind down there in Tuscaloosa. Oklahoma loses at Baylor 27 to 14. Dave Aranda is going to be the coaching flavor of the day your thoughts on the fighting linking Riley's going down this was the most predictable loss in college football history even the committee kept Oklahoma ranked behind like five one loss teams last week because they're like yeah we don't believe Oklahoma's actually any good they've kind of just they haven't really played anybody like yay they beat Texas well Texas lost to Kansas yesterday so the Texas is that again Texas lost to Kansas yesterday so Texas isn't very good Joel Embiid had a huge game. Yeah, he put up a 30-30. Kansas hit their three-point shots. They have a final score of 57-56. It was a big win for the Jayhawks. Yeah. When I heard that score, I have to admit, I literally felt bad for Steve Sarkeesian. Auburn. I think Auburn was up by 25 or 28 points and lost by nine to the fighting Mike Leeches. So that's unbelievable. Florida beat Sanford 70 to 52. I guarantee if you'd have showed me that score in a vacuum, I would have thought it was a college basketball score. Clemson, remember them, 44 to 7. Louisville beat Syracuse. Let's move on to more important games. Utah beats Arizona on the road. Utah is going to beat Oregon in a week or two here. I agree with you, by the way. Oregon defeats Washington State 38 to 24. Not surprisingly, Texas AM loses to the Fighting Lane Kiffins. Notre Dame beats Virginia 28 to three. Which of those scores matter? Or is it now a thing where it's just Ohio State is in total control of its own destiny and we shouldn't even worry about that? Yeah, at this point with OSU, you have to win the next three games and you're in. There's, there's no debate about it at this point. Ohio State will be in the playoff if they beat the Michigan teams and they win the Big Ten. That's simple. That's your task. It's in front of you. And 
you know, the big picture is he wanted to win a natty. You got to beat six straight ranked teams like how Ohio State had lined up here. So step one is done. Step two is next week against Sparty at home. And that's that's simple. There's not much more. And honestly, unlike most weeks in the country, though, of course, we had a top 10 upset here because this is a, one of those years. Right. But at the end of the day, there was not a lot around the country that affected Ohio State beyond what Ohio State did yesterday. And making a big statement like they did against Purdue, winning by four touchdowns, dropping 60 points on them, the game never being in doubt, that's the most important thing for the week for OSU. Because if you're the committee, you know damn well how that game went. And you're like, yeah, that was over the whole time. Ohio State came out and punched him in the face, and the game was done in the second quarter. So what Ohio State does is all that matters at this point. Yeah, it's very interesting because if they went out, I don't see a scenario where they're not the number two squad. We appreciate the offense kicking it back into gear and making this a glorious Sunday show. Welcome, Sonny Styles, to the fold. Have a good Sunday, Bucknutters. Oh, my God.